Hey everyone, welcome back to the Catwalk. This is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this podcast, and I'm glad that you have joined uh, with me today for this message. Uh, today's message is What is the Church? If you're somebody who's been in the church for a long time, it's possible you may have gotten a little fuzzy on the identity and the purpose of the church. Who are we and why are we here? If you are new to the church, you may not have any clue what the church is really about. So today we're going to look at a couple of different passages in the Bible that lay out what the church is all about. Who are we really and what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be focused on? I think as we consider what the scripture tells us, it'll give us a better idea of how God wants us to live our everyday lives. If you enjoy this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe to it to, on Spotify or bookmark uh, the website on anchor.fm. If you enjoy it, feel free to share it with others and keep spreading good news around for all to benefit from. Now, let's take a listen. Last fall, the Pew Research Center released a new study that showed that 65% of Americans claim to be Christians. This is a decrease of 12% from 10 years earlier. 26% of Americans say they are now not affiliated with any religion whatsoever, which is an increase of 10% over the last 10 years. <clears throat> And 40% of millennials are not affiliated with any religion, an increase of 13%. For many years, we have seen a decrease in the number of people attending church worship services, and this rate has accelerated over the last decade. One of my pastor friends recently predicted that as many as one-third of the churches in America would end up closing because they will not be able to survive this coronavirus pandemic. All of this raises the question, what is the church? Who are we really, and what are we supposed to be doing? Some people in society look at churches the same way they look at all nonprofit organizations. They think the church is similar to the Red Cross, the blood bank, the food pantry, the Kiwanis Club, the Rotary Club, the Optimist Club, the United Way, the Education Foundation, homeless shelters, and after-school programs. There are a lot of groups like these who are doing a lot of good work for communities around the world. These groups are important to the well-being of a community and the quality of life. The church does share some common ground with these groups as we seek the welfare of the community where we live. But is that all we are? Is there really no difference between the church and these other groups? I would suggest to you today that there is a difference. But any church that wants to survive this pandemic and come out healthy on the other side needs a strong sense of identity and a strong sense of mission. 
We need to understand who we are and why we are here. Sometimes, if you've been going to church for a long time, it's easy to get a little fuzzy on these things. We just kind of assume everyone knows who we are. That's not the case. If you're going to be a part of our on-site community or our online community going forward, it's important to understand who we are and what kind of group you are a part of. So today, I'd like us to look at some passages in the Bible that describe the church in three different ways. The church is a saving community, the church is a suffering community, and the church is a sending community. First of all, the church is a saving community. In Acts 2, 38 to 41, when Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then in Acts 4.12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to us by which we must be saved. The church is a community of people who have been brought into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are a community of people who invite those who do not have a relationship with God to begin one. Of course, all of us are at a different place in our relationship with Christ. Some have been following Christ for 70 or 80 years, some for 30 years, some for 10, some for one, and some of you may still be trying to figure out if you believe in him or not. But more than anything else, we are defined by our relationship with Christ. We have been saved and we invite others to be saved as well. God has set the church in the midst of the world as the sign to which all creation and all world history is moving. The whole biblical story is moving toward the goal of salvation for all the nations. The gospel announces that the salvation that will happen at the end of time has broken into the middle of history in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The end of the world is being held off so that the gospel may go to the ends of the earth. Because of our saving nature, the church is to be a community of belief in a world of doubt and skepticism. We are a community of truth in a pluralistic society that sees all truth as relative. We are a selfless community that does not live for itself, but for others. We are an unselfish community in a selfish world. We are a public community in a world that wants to keep religion in the private world. 
We are a community of mutual responsibility in a world of individualism. We are a community of hope in a world of pessimism. Because we are a saving community, we believe in evangelism. Evangelism means to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. It means to give other people reasons why this would be a good decision for them to make. It doesn't mean to pressure people to buy something they don't want to buy. It doesn't mean to try to force people to do something they don't want to do. It means to invite them to meet God and begin a relationship with Christ who can change their life. God has entrusted this story to the church, and there is no other body who will tell it. It is a duty and an obligation and a privilege to tell this story. We are not just telling a story so people will understand the information. We believe our world needs this good news in order to survive. We believe nobody can live well without God in their life. We believe people's lives will come apart without Christ. We want people to be converted to the Bible's way of thinking. There is an urgency about this. There is no room for neutrality or indecision. This is a decision each person must make, and time is running out. The clock is ticking. We each have a finite number of days that we will live, and we don't want people to miss out on the relationship of a lifetime. We're trying to persuade people this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Yes, you want to think it through so you understand what it means, but you also don't want to delay it unnecessarily. This is who we are. This is what we do. The church is a saving community. Secondly, the church is also a suffering community. Hebrews 10, 32 to 35 says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light? when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The writer to the Hebrews is not talking about suffering they endured before they had become Christians. He's talking about their suffering after they had become Christians. They went through very public insults and persecutions and stood by others who were going through similar trials. Suffering was not a surprise. Hebrews 5.8 tells us that Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Jesus is identified as the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, which says he was despised and rejected by mankind, 
a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. Our goal is to become like Jesus. And because Jesus suffered, the only way we can become like him is for us to suffer. The church is a suffering community. We are a group of people who share a common belief in Jesus and who know that the way all of us become like him is through our sufferings. In the early days of the church, a plague hit Rome with devastating consequences for the city. Even though Christians were sick and dying like everyone else, the way they cared for the people of their community made a lasting impression on the inhabitants of Rome and led to the rapid growth of the church, even in a time of persecution. During the Renaissance and the Reformation, the Black Plague swept back and forth over Europe, killing millions. Churches literally were on the front lines of these pandemics, putting their lives at risk, serving as hospitals and medical staff. The Swiss reformer Ulrich Zwingli caught the virus while caring for his church members in 1519. When the Spanish flu pandemic swept around the world in 1918, church members cared for the sick and the dying. People prayed for an end to the crisis. When it became apparent social distancing was needed to curb the spread of the virus, churches in major cities like Dallas and Houston closed for the whole month of October. The church is a suffering community. And then thirdly, the church is also a sending community. In John 20, 21, after Jesus' resurrection, he tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. The Father sent the Son into the world. The Father and the Son together sent the Holy Spirit into the world. And now the triune God is sending us into the world. This is the picture J.R.R. Tolkien gives us in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. When the Council of Rivendell meets and they discover that Frodo has one of the seven rings which must be destroyed to keep evil from completely overtaking Middle-earth, they form the Fellowship of the Ring and send them out on a quest. Their mission is to enter Mordor and throw the ring back into the fires of doom from which it was made. This is Tolkien's picture of the church. We are a community sent on mission by God. There is something important God wants every one of you to do. There are important things God is calling us to do together as a church. 
We gather together to get our mission assignments, and then we disperse into the world each week where God is sending us. There are people who need you. There are people who need to see you. There are people who need to hear from you. There are people you can minister to. And there are people God is sending you to. Our words and our actions let people know that God can change their lives. What we say and what we do can become a witness of the coming kingdom of God. They are an expression of the love and compassion Jesus has for people. What we say and do is aimed at converting people to Jesus. What we say and do is meant to have a transformative effect on our culture. There are many examples around us of people in churches who are being sent into their communities as a witness for Christ. One church in rural Maine recently discovered that their local funeral home did not have the means or the ability to live stream their funeral services. So the church stepped forward and began providing that for them. Another church recently discovered that their local Meals on Wheels program was going to have to shut down because of a lack of funds. So the church took it over and it now provides meals to homebound seniors in their area. At one church, the members posted signs in their yards that said, self-isolating, I can help, contact me. They had the person's name and phone number on the sign. They also printed up business cards that said the same thing and handed them out in their neighborhood. They mentioned that the church member will remain socially isolated and leave any items on their doorstep. They received one note back that said, Hi there. My family and I received your card offering help in our mailbox. I just wanted to say thank you for doing this for our community. Lately, I have lost my faith in God. But this was a nice reminder that he is still there. The United States is a mission field, and all of us function like missionaries to the people in our neighborhoods, our places of work, our families, and our circles of influence. The church is a group of people who are sent by God into our communities each week to find ways to demonstrate the love and the truth God has for people in Jesus Christ. The story of God in the Bible is about the fact that God is working out his purpose in history. The church is a saving community, a suffering community, and a sending community. And so the first question we have to ask is, do you have a personal saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If not, that's the place to begin. If you do, is God wanting to work through you to bring salvation to someone else? Have you been going through some suffering lately because of your faith in Christ? 
And do you get a sense that there's a person or a place that God is sending you to? During this time of pandemic, there are a lot of things that need to be done. There are a lot of important things that need to be taken care of. But for us in the church, we focus on three things, saving, suffering, and sending. And if you would like a saving relationship with God through Christ, I invite you to pray with me now. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for being our Heavenly Father, for creating each one of us, and for creating our world. Lord, I admit that I have disobeyed you, that I have not followed your ways, that I have fallen short of what you have called me to do. I am sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and that you came back to life to offer new life to me. Jesus, I invite you now to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior, to change anything in me that needs to be changed, and then to send me out as part of your mission in our world. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.